Guitar Villains is brought to you by American Musical Supply. Just visit AmericanMusical.com for your unique coupon code. This is just for listeners of Guitar Villains. Anything you need, whether it's picks, guitar strings, cables, a capo, all those small little accessories, all the way up to the big stuff like a new guitar, an amp, all the gear you could ever want is at American Musical Supply. They also have no interest financing, so you can play now, pay later. Use the link in the description for your coupon code to use on your next gear purchase. Thanks to American Musical Supply for sponsoring Guitar Villains. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the season finale of season two of Guitar Villains. Man, it has been an awesome season. Some of my favorite guitar players of all time who I listened to in my headphones as a boy, I got to uh, chat with and parse out their inner workings as musicians and it's been a real joy i can't thank you all enough for listening to the podcast on spotify and apple Podcasts, and of course viewing it here on youtube it's been awesome i'm gonna take a break now from the podcasting for a while maybe i'll come back with season three at some point but for now i'm hanging up the headphones for a bit thank you so much for joining me along the way And what better way to finish things out than with the best guitar builder in the world? As you can see, I don't don't discriminate when it comes to great guitars, but this guy is a good friend of mine, Paul Reed Smith. He has a lot to tell you. We're going to talk about all things guitar and guitar building. He's going to tell us some great stories. And we just have a really cool rapport that we've developed over the years working together. And we're also going to talk a little bit about the Paul Reed Smith Music School. You can find a link for tickets down below in the description. We're going to be giving away guitars. I'm giving away signed guitars. Me and Paul signed a couple guitars. We're going to be giving those out to random students of the Paul Reed Smith Music School, as well as those of you who attend the event live will have a chance to win a guitar. Free guitars, amazing music knowledge from some of the best teachers on the planet. I don't know how else to sum up this conversation other than, let's go baby. Guitar villains, Paul Reed Smith. Welcome to Guitar Villains, the show where we deconstruct and decode the guitar. <laughs> this is the season finale of season two. And what better guest than my dear friend Paul Reed Smith? Ah, you sweetheart. You know, all I'm trying to do is beat the sound of that new guitar I made you. So I just go upstairs and make guitars. Oh, God, I got to beat that guitar. That thing we made you sound stupid. You're the only person I've ever heard describe a guitar sound as stupid and mean it positively. When did you start saying? When did you start saying that? Good? You've never heard "stupid good." Something stupid good. Never heard that. I've heard it from you. It's a uh, good one. I've stolen it. It's the what's the it's stupidest? Louis gu- Maryland thing. Stupid good. I don't know where it came from. I, I I heard it since I was a kid. So it's a nice it's a nice turn of phrase. So we do thing a little we do things a little bit differently on this show. We're gonna play a couple little games. I'm gonna try and get to the bottom of what makes you tick 
as a musician, Paul, and hopefully you'll have a good time and we'll do this in person very it's, soon so as we'll discuss. It's not guitar heroes, it's guitar villains. That's right. That's right. All right. And the I call it guitar villains because I think villains are just as cool, if not cooler than heroes. I think they're misunderstood and sometimes they have a point. So I've always found the characters are deeper, maybe a little more memorable. So the first thing I want to ask is out of all the movie or comic book villains out there. Wait, 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 wait a minute. I don't know that I can agree with that, but I heard it. You heard it. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to agree. Uh, Well, I like to agree, but my job to disagree sometimes. So let's go. So who is a, a villain that you not necessarily identify with, but that you appreciate their perspective? Because sometimes they think they're the good guys. Uh, Real villains in my eyes are not the good guys. The real villains are something to be concerned about and feared. And look, there's a scene where Heath Ledger's walking out of the hospital and he's got nothing on and he keeps hitting the button to blow up the hospital as the Joker. I mean... That scene, from what I understand, he hit the button and it didn't go off and he just kept hitting it and because it was on a delay line in the filming of it and he finally it blows up. That's not a good thing to do, blow up a hospital. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think that that's very evil it, by definition. But it was funny. <laughs> I mean, the guy's walking down the street without his clothes on, hitting the button, trying to blow up the hospital. It was pretty villainish. You know, him laughing at the party was horrific. You know, uh, I think the whole Batman series has come up with a a lot of really, really uh, nasty villains, really. Do you ever, uh, so if if you tease out a couple little habits and parts of the character that is the Joker and specifically Heath Ledger. I think he's the best Joker in my opinion. I'm not so sure Joaquin Phoenix's new one's good too. He's very good too. Oh, it's really good. As far as the Nicholson do it. Oh, Nicholson. Yeah. The original 89. Sorry. Uh, that was good too. Uh, now I, the, the problem is there's so much meat on the bone for these actors that all three of them knocked the ball over the wall. So would you ever consider yourself the Joker of the guitar world because you are designing these plans and creating these uh, blueprints for these instruments that nobody can possibly understand? At least that's your goal. You want to be the best at what you do. Can you see any similarities between the Joker's plotting and your own? No, but... (laughs) My goal is to have it understood, not to have it not understood. And I want people to understand what we're doing, but I'm not going to, you know, let out the trade secrets of how we did it. We have this machine that we can put a pickup on and it gives us a printout of what it's going to sound like. Gives you a good idea what it's going to sound like before you ever plug it in. Um, I don't want the trade secrets of how we do things here out, but we, when we do tours, we don't hide anything. But we also don't take them to the machine and turn it on to show them how to how to work the thing. But you know, um, often I think uh, a crowd of people will say, "Let's go left," and then I'll be going, nah, "I don't think so. We should go right." Or another time, 
I'm with the crowd of people going left and one person will go, eh, I think you need to go right. And my get very curious at that moment. Why do you think that? Why do you think we should go the other way? And, and usually they can explain themselves, but sometimes they, they just have a gut feel and they can't explain themselves. And you've got to interview them about where did this feeling come from? Where, where did this thought come from? I saw once. Uh, and I, you know, it was a very wise man who I really adored, he used to interview people, and, and he and people would repeat what the person said, and he goes, no, 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 what'd they really say? Now, what they said was this, no, 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 exactly what did they say? And they would repeat word for word what the person said, had nothing to do with their interpretation. Mm. And then you'd learn something, you know? For me, these old guitars and these old amplifiers that I open up, uh, I get my hands on, it's what that maker thought that day. So they talk. These old instruments will talk to you because that's what that maker thought that day. And, you know, for me, that's fascinating. But you're trying to get me to, you know, identify with the Joker and 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 say, yeah, man, I'm like the Joker. That isn't going to happen. But what will happen is he was going left when everybody else was going right because that served his needs. I'm trying to serve the needs of the industry and serve the needs of the people in this building and serve right now, serve your your viewers and your and your fans. And, you know, you've got this immense uh, structure you've set up, Tyler, which is impressive as shit. Um, so, I, you know, I, I, I want it to be entertaining. I think you, you know. Uh, making it a, a villain side is more entertaining though. Well, what does talk about the most racing guitar hero? That's like, I mean, you're right about that. Sorry. It's more interesting looking at it from the other side. When everybody zigs, you zag. Some only if it's the right thing to do. I hate it when I'm the person saying that's not the way to go in a room. I, I find it painful, but if I think it, and I've thought about it for a long time. It's my obligation to say it. You know, I really don't want to. I like people in general. I like people. I, I don't want to be the person saying that's not the right way to go. But if I've thought about it for a long time and looked at it for a really long time and that's not the right way to go, well, I better say it. Otherwise, I'm not doing my job. It's one of the hardest things to do is to disagree with people that you respect and, and kind of convey what you want without being overburdening and overbearing on something. Uh, it's a, it's a steady little line that you have to toe. So I find it upsetting. I don't, I don't, I don't enjoy it, but if, if I have a different view, I, I go from a teacher's point of view. I try to teach why I think that I don't try to force what I think it, you know, I've seen great leaders just go, no. And that was the end of it. And I'm like, I don't really see it that way. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Look, I was a, I was kind of a oldest, kind of a middle. So I had two older half brothers, right? So I was the middle kid. So the middle kid doesn't do that, but the oldest does that, right? So I'm kind of in the middle. I got you. Well, let's move on to a segment. I call this burning questions. And these are rapid fire questions that don't totally matter, but for some reason, all us guitar players need to know the answer. What is your preferred pick gauge? I, I grew up with Fender Heavy, so anything, anything in that range, that size, works for me. Next. What is your preferred string gauge? Well, I used to play nines, now I play tens. 
Um, somebody told me once the great Bugs Henderson said, I floss with nines, don't use those. Um, it took me a while to change. I tried nine and a halfs, kind of worked, kind of didn't. I mean, tens, industry standard. What is your number one guitar? One like this. That's I like pretty this nice. Guitar. Custom it's 24. That, look, it's. It sounds really, really nice. Listen to this thing. My favorite guitar is a guitar that sounds good when you play it. What is your number one amp right now? Uh, I have... Um, some original MDTs that have been modified that I use that I just adore. What is your favorite guitar pedal? I have what I think is the same pedal they used for the keyboard part in No Quarter. I know that it's, one. It's, an, it's a two-knob Mutron phaser. It sounds unbelievable there's not a tune we use where we don't pull that pedal out it just makes things sound three-dimensional you got to remember a pedal is mono it's but they make stereo pedals but it's a mono pedal that makes things sound stereo and three-dimensional that's that so you dabble in my the, can i change my answer oh yes sure a tuner a tuner <laughs> that's that's a very valuable pedal so, I know people that don't pay enough attention to tuners. Yeah. You, do you like the headstock tuners or no? You like the pedal? They work. I, okay. I don't know. They work. I, 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 they work. They're fine. We make them. I like them. But I've been you know, having a tuner on my amp for so long, I unplug out of the amp, plug into the tuner, tune my guitar, plug back into the amp because I don't want that buffer in between my guitar and the amp. Hmm. What about the ones that have the the no, the buffer in there? No, the kind I use has a buffer in there. Oh, I, I, I would rather just have a cable plug straight in. I get a little bit better connection with the amp. I understand. So and a, and a headstock tuner doesn't. It's not in the way of the of the signal chain. So you dabble in the YouTube world. Would you say that's fair? Dabble is the right word. You live in it. I dabble in it. You are correct. I want to see if you can guess how many views some of these videos I've made have. That's not fair. Well, they all, they all, uh, you know the answer. I know the answer, but I just want to see, I don't, you, you dabble. So I just want to see if you can, uh, you can guess this is, I don't live on my friend's sites. <laughs> I don't live on my friend. I don't Google myself. I I do I know who you are. We play together. You're in the school. We talk almost daily now. I don't go and and you're you're asking an unfair go. I'll do whatever you want. There's a method to the madness. I'm not I, just I asking you to part. next. I'm now, not just see, blowing up. Me. I'm not blowing I'm smoke. I'm the Joker. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This video is called "Using a Violin Bow on a Guitar Sounds Incredible." And it was published April 3rd, 2020. How many views do you think that has? 732,000. 1.89 million. 
Okay, I was halfway there. So the Not reason, bad, Paul. I just gave myself high marks. The reason I, I bring this video up is because I'm using a PRS SE Hollow Body 2. Yeah. And I made the video, when I opened the case, I was like, this looks like a violin. Yeah. And I've heard you compare your guitars to violins before. And I was wondering if this model in particular reminds you or, or just kind of compare guitars and violins for a second because right, I so love the way I you think, do it. I think the guitar is the violin of our day. You know, when Paganini was famous, they would literally go down to the docks to greet him when he came to play in England. It was a huge deal. The violinist was the master musician. Now, you know, you have these things at Lollapalooza that are playing guitars. Um uh, it's a big deal, this guitar thing. Um, a lot of people picked up the guitar. I found out today that the percentage of people that picked up guitar during COVID is extraordinary, and a high, high percentage of them are women. So, and you know, we got another million guitar players, female. That's great. That is great. All right, here's another video. This one's called How to Get a Guitar for Free in a Guitar Store. It works every time. This was published on October 2nd. 3,125,322. <laughs> you were pretty close. 2.899 I was in, within 10%. That was pretty good. Did you know, I don't know if you've seen this video, Paul, but you have a cameo in it. It's the one that we made at uh, the store Music Villa in Bozeman. Remember when you were playing that harp guitar? I remember. Yeah, people people like that video. I got within ten percent. I'm going to look at the crew in here. There's a big crew in here helping. I got within ten percent. Okay, listen. Last. If, if I'm going to underdo it by half on the first guess, I better not underdo it by half on the second guess. I mean, there's a little training here. We'll You're see. If training. You get, we'll see if you get this one. This is the last one. All right. This one's called "Playing the Forbidden Riff in a Huge Guitar Store." This was published July 22nd, 2019. 4,235,152. This one has 19,156,000. Oh, that hurt. Do you know what the forbidden riff is? Sure. What is it? That was good. Oh, come on. Is that it? Or, or is it this one? No, stop playing that. We're going to get a copyright strike. I would say both of those. What? Yeah. No, I mean, was it one of those two? It was, it was the first one. Uh, All right, well, I got it right. What is, what is that riff mean to you? When's the, the first time right? you heard it? What? When's the first time you heard the forbidden riff? I was one of the first people to buy that record. Um, and I remember my brother came to my house and I, pl I played him that tune and I, and I thought that black dog and the end of that tune were going to be industry changing. And my brother, who was a musician at the time, wasn't that impressed with it. I thought that stairway to heaven was a big deal. Um, I also, you know, my brother said, took me to a record store. He said, these guys are huge in England. They're going to be huge here. And it was a picture 
on the record of this black guy with two eyes on his shirt with a fro and two white guys next to him with a fro. Each one had an afro. And I opened the record against my, you know, my without telling my brother. And by the time I got to Are You Experienced, my, I was cooked. I was done. It was over. So, all you know, when I grew up, I'm 65. When I grew up, all these legendary records were coming out. And we were the first people to get our hands on them. And it was before they were famous. And the first time I heard this. <laughs> when he whipped into that, I when that solo came on with the harmonics, I was driving the car. I screamed the wheel over to the side and and went into the dirt and put my head on the on the uh, dashboard of the car and turned it up. I could not believe what was coming out of those speakers. It was unbelievable. We played that tune every night for 15 years in the clubs in Annapolis. And I knew that harmonic solo note for note. That's the first time I heard. I'm pretty sure that's the first recording of pinch harmonics. Because he mm. barely has any gain, and it has this really uh, nice a lot squealing. Of gain. Oh, what fun. And that's clean. He had a lot of gain. That thing was killing. There's a, there's a written story about how they recorded that. I really enjoyed that whole ZZ Top um, documentary about how all that stuff was recorded and, you know, where it was recorded and what lines they kept and which lines they threw away from him talking. And God, what a record. I mean, that stuff was coming out. Nobody had ever heard the song. The DJ had just picked it up and I could not believe what I was hearing. Now, I got to hear a lot of this stuff when, when the Allman Brothers came out with... We were the first one with the record. I was, you know, and we learned them all. And that ended up it, that ended up inspiring uh, an amp, right? When you when you got yeah. some Almond Brothers. Yeah, we got our hands on the amp that Dwayne Allman used live at the Fillmore. It had come out of McCorkle's closet, which was the rhythm guitar player in the Marshall Tucker band. And we got a phone call that. Um, Dickie Betts had given him the amp. You know, I don't know if all that stuff's true, but I can tell you one thing. When we got the amp, that it said Allman Brothers making Georgia on the back. It was spray painted on. And in the, in the case with the amplifier were the Greyhound bus tickets for Dwayne Allman to buy guitars. So when he would buy a guitar and send them the check, the way their UPS and their Federal Express of the day was putting the guitar on a Greyhound bus and, to, and it would go to the Macon, Georgia bus station. And he would go pick it up out of the hold of the bus. That's how he got the guitar. And I had that paperwork for one of his Les Pauls. I was like, wow, that was so cool. I mean, there was no Federal Express. That's crazy. <laughs> that was the transportation method. Yeah, they didn't have UPS and they weren't going to put it in the mail. Yeah. Not an old Les Paul. So... I don't know. I thought it was cool. Um, you know, it sounded... It went...
not in four. We all learned it. Yeah. God, what a tune. So I want to move on here to talk about this now, thing. Wait a minute. That's a villain. I've been tied to the whipping post. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've been tied to the whipping post. Seriously. Good Lord, I'm dying. What a line. So I want to talk about the Paul Reed Smith Music School. And I want to mention all the specifics just real quick. It's August 9th through 12th. Anyone in the world can watch. And as we know, a lot of people all over the world have signed up already. It's live streaming and your ticket allows you to access these recordings indefinitely. So you can rewatch as much as you want. Or if you miss some or all of the event, you can still benefit from all these great master classes. We're also giving away guitars each day to a random student plus we've got two more guitars that i'm giving away all you have to do is sign up and you're entered to win we got this guitar which on the back is signed there you go by both of us so tyler when you give those away those are random but at the school uh, we ask questions, and the people that answer them correctly are the ones that get the, the guitars. Exactly. So you actually, it's not random at the school. Though, I mean, at, I really like that, you know, um, what we were doing was asking people last year, what did this person say in, in the class earlier in the day? You remember all that? Yeah, yeah. So people are incentivized, obviously, to watch. You have yeah. a, a better chance to win. Uh, yeah. But there's also guitars for people who can't attend. So it's the best of both worlds. Yeah, we, we make a little game out of it. You're going to have to really pay attention. We'll, yeah, we'll leave it at that. Attention. So it's you and yep. Tim Pierce and the Granger brothers and John McLaughlin and Bill Evans and Dennis Chambers and Mia and Michael and uh, Tony McManus, the great Scottish acoustic guitar player, and Brian Ewald and Bill Nelson and myself. There's so many good teachers that have joined, you know, Benji Parecki on keyboards. Um, you know, we, we teach melody, harmony, and rhythm separately. So if you're really good at harmony and you're really good at rhythm, you work. If you're really good at melody and you're really good at rhythm, you work. If you're really good at melody and harmony and you don't have rhythm, you don't work. So we are pounding everybody about being with the metronome, pounding them. Because in the musician world, the real musicians are highly aware if you're ahead of the beat, behind the beat, with the groove, in the pocket, all that stuff is really important. And you just snapped uh, a pattern of 7-4. You know, I've been accused of that before. I stopped before the eighth click. Why do I do that? Maybe because... Seven beats. Because post is in seven? Maybe that's why. So I want to talk about who this school is for. Uh, Students, in my experience, come in a lot of shapes and sizes. I want to basically outline. It's hard to succinctly put it without sounding a little hyperbolic. So let's profile some guitar players and talk about what they might get out of the school that they couldn't get anywhere else. Well, all right. So when Mike Walt, who's one of the teachers, um, taught, last year we were talking about melody and this gorgeous melody came out of him spontaneously which is something we'd like to encourage guitar players for there was a lot of talk about being 
in the pocket and and there was a lot of uh, effort spent uh, teaching guitar players what a pocket is. Um, for a, a guitar player to know what the bass player is doing from Gary Granger is really important for the guitar player to have a better understanding of what's going on with the drums is really good. Let me tell you something, when Dennis is teaching, Dennis Chambers is teaching, nobody moves. It's extraordinary, as you know, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I, I think guitar players are going to get a tremendous amount out of it. The, the guitar players that are fluid in many areas are the ones that work. The ones that are limited in many areas are the ones that don't work. And, you know, we're trying to teach being a musician, not, not just... Um, uh, being a guitar player. There's a difference between a guitar player and a musician. And some feedback that I got, which I thought was really interesting, yeah. is at the very least, parents and non-musicians can actually still enjoy most of this event. It's almost like right. an interactive show, which I think speaks to the personality of everyone in the group. Mm -hmm. And for guitar players, and because you know my audience is primarily guitar players, so I'm sticking to that, but Guitar players who have some passion toward the instrument, it doesn't matter what genre you play, it doesn't necessarily, as long as you can fret a chord and understand notes on the guitar neck, you're going to benefit. And the higher your skill level is, I feel like each different teacher will cater to that organically. It's not necessarily, this is the beginner class, this is the intermediate class, this is the advanced class i think that everyone covers a great foundation obviously there is you know a certain point where we start at the basics but i think everyone is so good at teaching that they cover these foundational elements but also can get way off in the clouds which i think is a characteristic of a great teacher to kind of show you the moon and that's really what i think is important to highlight about this school as we've said these teachers this lineup is not necessarily something you can find at just any generic music school there's few institutions in the world that i think rival this sort of lineup and for the cost of 25 bucks a day i think it pays for itself within the first hour yeah. and i think I it's really fun to be a part of it what what do you enjoy most about being part of this whole thing I learn a lot because watching these touring musicians teach, you know, when I, Dennis said, what do you want me to do? I said, I want you to start simple and end, you know, extraordinary. So he started with his first James Brown groove. That's what he started with last year. And to watch him show how he learned, remember, we're talking about a, mus a musician that was playing gigs at six years old who got offered the James Brown gig when he was 14 and his mother wouldn't let him go, you know. Uh, I learned something every single time I'm there, whether Brian Ewald was playing Jessica in different keys, uh, not, not a key of D, key C, key, key of B. He was playing at major minor, you know. Right. Jessica's major and he started to play at minor, right? And it dropped our jaws. I'd never heard it done. And these music, they're real musicians. These are touring musicians that are John McLaughlin teaching. He said, what do you want me to do, Paul? I want to be a part of the school. I said, I, you know, give a master class that, that, that teaches people what the bread and butter is, but how high you can go, just like you said. And he says, well, rhythm and harmony are the bread and butter, and melody is the flavor on top. 
And I said, can you start with that? He said, of course I can. And we got the great John McLaughlin to teach at the school. Bill Evans is going to teach. And, you know, his resume is so long, I didn't even know how to cut it down when we wrote, you know, his resume in the school. It's, he's played with everybody. I have some Q&A from the people out there in the guitar world. They had a lot of questions for you, Paul. Okay. Oh, boy, where to begin? By the way, thank you for telling everybody about the school. Um, I think, you know, we're almost to 1,000 people signed up already, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to be over that by the time this video is out. That's great. Yeah, it's awesome. So, by the way, prsmusicschool.com. The link is in the description. Everybody knows what to do on here. So here's a question from ATSC1968. Why did you get into the guitar? A lot of people got into guitar so they get a date. I got in guitar because I love the sound of it. I didn't. I didn't see it as a way to get a date. Um, I, I mean, I literally. I with friends. Why do you play guitar? Well, you know, it's. It, it, <laughs> they were. They wanted a date, right? I, I thought the sound of the instrument was extraordinary. I thought the feel of it was extraordinary. I thought it was the food, as Carlos Santana says, the food you can't get at the grocery store. It was my way out of that the bedroom I had where I was depressed. I decided holding this guitar, that's the way I want it out. And the first thing I learned how to do, Tyler, was this. I wanted that vibrato because the wiggle of the note was the thing that made it cool. And so I knew how to do a vibrato before I knew how to do a scale. That's rare. That's rare. You think a lot of people do it the other way around, right? Yeah, well, but to me, when the guy was wiggling the note, man, that's where all the fun was. I totally agree. All right, this one's from your favorite Oakley, double cut or single cut? Didn't we already do this question once before? I'm playing a double cut. I grew up watching people play double cuts and single cuts. Look. I don't know. Look, I gravitate to double cutaway guitars. They seem to work for me, although there's one single cut that I had made and I adored it. And this rock star wanted it. And I said, okay, you can have it because I can make another one. And I haven't done it yet. There's one guitar that we made for this extraordinary musician that I've been trying to get back and the, and the, the musician won't give it back to me. It's a red single cut that I adore. Can I show you the best single cut you've ever made? Well, I'm not sure I'm going to agree with you, but I will. I'm biased. You are biased because you never played the one. Oh, look at that. That's pretty. Why do you think that's the best one we've ever made? Better than the ones we made for Joe Walsh. Why is that better? Let me tell you why. Let me show you this. Because <laughs> it's green? It's green, first of all. On the back here, you see this? Yeah. Uh-oh. That's oh, your signature. You changed the tuners. Tuners have been changed a little bit. Pickup covers have been changed, but the guitar... <laughs> this is my best my guitar. Th this is my best friend. I got that part. 
Yeah, so that's why it's the best. I made my wife get a haircut once. She didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think uh, the best guitar in the world is the... you like the tone of it when you plug it in? Is that why you like it? Say again? Why do you love it? Well, it feels like home. It never... Uh, it's the guitar that you pick up when you aren't feeling anything and it makes you feel something. And oh, I find that sometimes you, you can get in a creative rut and this is the guitar that just is you out of it. a friend to me. All right. Fair enough. That's a for, I completely understand your point now. I, I wanted to tease you about it, but my teasing you is over. Although what was your experience when you went to the music school, standing on the stage with Dennis Chambers? What did you think? I thought I was in the presence of greatness. And I think it's easy to praise these people and it can sound like I'm just trying to hype up what we're doing, but there's no reason for me to do that. I've been so lucky to be in the presence of a lot of amazing musicians, but in the context of the school where you are, first of all, we're alone, right? We're, we're filming this thing. So we're in this huge auditorium, but it's really just us. So I feel like I'm getting a private lesson. And like you said, you learned so much. I learned so much, but yeah, when he started hitting the bass drum (laughs) and he was like, this is, this is a heartbeat right here. This is the first thing you hear. Um, it gave you, it's to give me chills right now. I don't know if it's doing the same thing to you, but I forgot that he did that. He says, well, a drum start with your heartbeat. That's what he did. That's how simple it started. Oh my God. It got so complex as time went on. But it always felt good. It was fun. I, I had the same experience. The reason I asked you is because I stand there and I'm in the middle of it. I can't even believe I'm standing there sometimes. Oh, yeah. A couple more questions for you here. Jplon1807. Paul, do you like breadsticks? Yes, I love them, but I can't eat them. My tummy doesn't like them. It gets bigger when I eat breadsticks. I'm at the age where breadsticks are not on the menu. (laughs) Uh, Andrew asks, how are your guitars so damn beautiful? Because 425 people are busting their ass to do it that way. I I don't know. I, I, uh, I, you know, I've got a team of people that that got this unbelievable piece of wood. I've got a team of people that are staining things that beautifully. Um, team of people that are uh, molding these parts up and, and getting all this stuff to be done right. I, it, it's a team of people doing the inlay work. Um, it's not one painter. Literally, there's like. 45 people that worked on this guitar. And I think that our living is making things beautiful. But, you know, 80% of information is brought in people's eyeballs. And, and it's nice that he he's talking about the how beautiful it is. But you know that I live in the how does it feel and how is it sound world, too, you know? So, although I do, I, I got to admit, I like good-looking stuff. I brought a nice-looking guitar for the video. I don't want to admit it. I want to be the guy that only cares about the tone and the feel, but I slip sometimes. Uh, ho- this is a really good question. Jose 
asks, what is one upgrade that every guitarist should make on their guitar? Find by far the best repairman in your area and make sure the guitar neck is adjusted well, the bridge is adjusted well, it's intonated, it's got new strings on it, it's tuned up, and it works really well for you. So to me, a really fine violin is in the shop all the time. Same thing with a really fine guitar. Um, I took one of my guitars to the shop today. Um, My team of people here, our PTC, are better at finding problems than I am sometimes. And I uh, adore their skill level to make the guitars sound better. So having the guitar cared for is important. If the, if the strings are choking when you play them hard, you got to get it fixed. Otherwise, it's going to sound choked, and no pedal's going to fix a choked sound. It isn't going to happen. I know people believe it will, but I just don't buy it. I think choked is choked. This is a popular question here, and I'm going to kind of change it a little bit, but the essence of it is about your opinion on other guitar brands. And I, I kind of know your opinion a little bit on Fender and uh, Marshall and things that you've kind of taken inspiration from. But I want to talk about some other guitar brands and just go rapid fire, whatever comes to mind. And we'll start with Ernie Ball Music Man. Sterling and his son are gifted guitar makers. And they've been in the string business and the guitar business a long time. I have a Music Man bass in my studio next. Gibson. Gibson is part of the heritage of our business. They've been the first electric guitar was made by Gibson in 1923 by Lloyd Lore. It was a harp guitar, and the pickup was about this long, and it slid out of the instrument. Um, all the things that happened in the 50s and all the changes that happened in the 50s and the early 60s are fundamental to our uh, guitar business. Uh, they were taking the instrument to places that it hadn't been. Ted McCarty told me, you know, I needed something that bucked the hum. So I asked my engineer to make me a pickup that bucked the hum, which is where the word humbucker come from, right? You know, so there's a whole history there. Um, I adore um, that uh part of our industry that that helped us grow and these musicians did things with these instruments they were never imagined to do so um ted mccarty thought that the es line es335 4555 all that the electric spanish guitar which is what it stood for was his the best thing they made he did not think the les paul was the best thing they made you know so I don't know. I think there's. they were great at making arch tops, Super 400s and Birdlands and all that stuff, you know. And then the SG came along because they were telling the managers at Gibson that the guitars weighed too much, so they made them lighter. Mm. So uh, the whole history of it, I've interviewed everybody about it. I think that it's part of, it's like, you know, uh, it's, going, it's like going to the grocery store. You got to have steak and chicken. Fender, you know, you got to have it. How about Sir? John's another gifted guitar maker. He's a competitor now. Um, He's also an amp maker. 
Um, he started at, in New York at Pensa Sewer with Rudy Pensa. Um, very skilled, very, knows what he's doing. Um, built the pickups that are in Jeff Beck's favorite guitar. Um, most people, he's got a real history. Gifted guitar maker. Last one, Fender. Fender's like the chicken of the of the grocery store. You got to have it. Um, there's so much to be learned from all the old Strats and Fenders uh, and old Tellys and stuff that were made um, up to about 1965, 1966. You know, in 1969, they started putting polyester on the same necks and, and burying them so much in clear paint that you couldn't even find the frets. Um, but I think that that's another huge part of our industry. I don't think when they made those surf guitars that the Beach Boys played, those strats, that they imagined Hendricks was ever going to do what he did with strat. Um, there's a history there that I've studied. Uh, I enjoy getting old instruments um, and looking at what they were thinking that day. Um, I had an old telly here that was before they had a side dot jig and all the side dots were hand drilled in the wrong place. It was original, you know. <laughs> and then a year later, they'd build a side dot jig and all the, all the side dots were drilled in the right place, right? I, I enjoy that history. I enjoy those instruments. I enjoy what those guitar makers did. I've learned a tremendous amount from the old masters. Um, it's been my job. It's been to get a guitar to have. So for me... That sounds like a single coil, but that's a humbucking pickup. So for me, I'm trying to take it another level, which is that that Fender sound that you were talking about, but in a guitar that doesn't make any noise. Because I've been in a club with a single coil pickup where the noise was louder than the guitar. Yeah. And so um, you, you don't expect that kind of beautiful single coil high end out of a humbucking, but you know that's where I'm... I'm taking that legendary tone and I'm trying to uh, work with it and morph with it and play with it. And I, I what I just played, I thought sounded good. It, it did. did sound like a single coil. It didn't sound like a humbucking, right? It did not. And you've yeah. mentioned a lot of uh, artists that played these instruments, you know, between yeah. Gibson, Fender, and things like that. I, want I to was talk in about diapers in 1956. I wasn't invited to that party. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't yet a thought. Uh, can I, I want to talk about some of the signature artists on the PRS roster since we're talking about these, yeah. these artists. Uh, I wondered if you'd be interested in sharing, you can say favorite songs or favorite moments. Uh, first, I'm going to name some guitar players and you can tell me what comes to mind. All right. Mark Letiri. Oh, it's a ridiculously good guitar player. Watch the Hendrix video when he's laying down the Hendrix amp video where he's laying down the stupid rhythm guitar part. I just, I'm, I'm sorry, he's just really good. Mark knows what he's doing. He's just one of the new, one of the new, uh, new core musicians in our industry. Mark Tremonti. Mark helped the electric guitar come back. Um, when Jewel and all those women were playing acoustic guitars on the radio, and we weren't selling any electric guitars. Mark Tremonti came charging back with Creed along with Carlos Santana and Supernatural, and we were back in the electric guitar business. Mark is a fundamental pillar in the electric guitar business. 
and electric guitar music. He's not just a musician, he's a stadium musician. He knows how to play to the last person in the back corner getting a beer, and they can't wait to get back to their seat. I mean, he knows what he is doing. Mark's a good songwriter, he's a great singer, he's a great songwriter, he's a great guitar player, he's fundamentally a powerhouse in our industry, period. Have you heard him sing recently? I have thought that he, when he's singing, I've mistaken him for Miles Kennedy, who is the singer in Alter Bridge and yeah. of other amazing bands. But I've been like, wait, oh, that's that's Mark Tremonti singing. He's he's an Mark incredible Tremonti singer. Sing. He's working on something now that's stupid. Anyway, let's go on. Uh, John Mayer. Was somebody said he's the Jeff Beck said he's the modern day Eric Clapton? I think the there's something like that. Um, John, you know, when he joined Great Dead and Company, fundamentally turned his international reputation from a singer songwriter into a guitar player, and absolutely drilled the Dead and Company gig, just completely drilled it. And um, then this new tune, uh, Last Train Home that came out is back to singer songwriter but the way he sang the tune and produced it it was just extraordinary and his guitar playing was simple and yet very musical um i got a chance to play that tune in the studio with dennis chambers and uh, gary granger and greg and everybody and I got to tell you, there was so much meat on the bone. What an extraordinarily well-written song. So you've got a songwriter on your hands. He's played with just about everybody. He knows how to swing, which is, you know, not so easy to do. He knows how to hillbilly swing, which is uh, the Grateful Dead kind of stuff. He knows how to play straight. He knows how to play God, a three-piece band. He knows how to play in a big band. He knows how to sit in. John Mayer's a force to be reckoned with. Steve Vai was in my booth at NAMM, and he goes, you know, I've thought about it a lot. I've decided he's a really good guitar player. You know? If Steve says I, that, then uh, that's pretty much the only recognition you need, right? Well, you know what was interesting about him when he first came here to get the guitar made? He was singing melodies all day long in my office. He just sat there and sang melody after melody after melody. And they weren't familiar melodies. He was writing them, singing melodies. He's if, David Grissom once said that. I can't get the music out of my head. John has so much music in his, in his body coming out of his soul is. I've, I've seen him be absolutely mind-bendingly brilliant. He played for Johns Hopkins for a cancer event with an acoustic guitar. I swear to God, it sounded like a whole band. It was him and an acoustic guitar. It sounded like it was a bass player, a drummer, a singer, a whole band. And he thought it was one of the you know most enjoyable gigs that he'd ever played. And it sounded immense in the room. These, uh, hey, he's a really good musician. I mean, we're lucky to have him. I, I really, really enjoy guitar players. And I've had the honor of standing on the side of the stage with a lot of them. And I'm, I'm the one screaming. There's a video of Eric Johnson playing a Hendrix set at the Vintage Guitar Show. And there's two men screaming. In the, you can hear them over the PA screaming in the video. That's me and Andy Timmons on the side of the stage going <laughs> nuts. Um, nice. I, you know, I, 
How can you not? I never got to see Hendrix. But oh my God, I saw I saw got to watch Eric drill it. And Whipper was playing drums, the guy from Steve Vaughn's band. Ah, they were killing it. They were just killing it. I saw him play Are You Experienced, which really who covers that song, first of all. Second of it's all possible to play, did it. I saw him do it too. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a break. All right. As we wind down here, Paul, I want to I want to loop in your guitar supervillain alter ego, the Joker. All right. I have one final question for you. All right, go on. Now, this is your chance to get on your soapbox. <laughs> there, this is a safe space. You, you're talking Just to. Just ask the question, Tyler. You're talking to millions of people potentially here. All right, go on. What do you believe about guitar? that most guitar players would call you crazy for? And this can be a hard truth that guitar players need to hear or something you know that others don't, maybe a misconception about the instrument or playing it or whatever you want. What do you believe about guitar or guitar playing that others would think is insane? I don't know that they would think it was insane but I've made my whole career based on the acoustic sound of the guitar is highly important to the electric sound of the guitar. And if there are, there are people on the internet that think that it's only the pickups and it's got nothing to do with the acoustic sound, but it's not true. And I've got way, 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 way too many great guitar players that will go off in the corner and play it acoustically before they'll ever plug it in. So there's that disagreement. I have been taught by the best to have good meter and being in the pocket. And I think it's more important than almost anything. Um, you know, the way a lot of people teach is they, they'll get people and they'll teach them a song. I taught a band once. I spent two years, and I'm not exaggerating here, two years in the middle of that band with a cowbell and a stick. Until they were, I could stop and start, and they were still with it. Two years. So to me, it's the way Andre Agassi talked about uh, learning how to play tennis. They said when he was young, this is, I'm, I don't know if I'm quoting this correctly, but they, from what I heard when he was young, hit the ball as hard as you possibly can, and one day you'll get accurate. This is what, you know, what they taught him. That's what I heard. It's the same thing for musicians. Get a metronome and learn. So you're not speeding up, not slowing down, having no trouble with a click, and spend years on that. The chords will come. So is that crazy? Do guitar players think that's crazy? Not really. Do they do it? Almost never. I've had great guitar players go, I play in front of the beat. God, I hate it. I can't stop it. And, you know... I like being in the pocket. It's not easy to do. And let me tell you something. I once was in, <laughs> I was in Japan and Greg Granger was playing drums. Rhonda Smith was on one side of him and Greg Granger was on the other side of him. And Rhonda was playing behind the beat and Gary was playing in front of the beat. And I put my head between the two amplifiers while they were playing. And I'm telling you, it was one of the wildest things I've ever heard in my entire life. And we were all cracking up. It was literally like I put my head in between two 
uh, fire trucks that were <laughs> you know, going down the road or something. It was not for the faint-hearted. I loved it. And I learned a lot. Rhonda was going backwards where she was playing and Gary was going forward where he was playing. And I learned something that day about being in front and being behind. And, you know, all the money is behind the beat. My guitar teacher that I had, Chris Lusinger, who played all the, all the uh, records for Garth Brooks. And now, Paul, I play on the Memphis side of the beat. Mm. And Hendrix played on the Memphis side of the beat, but with a lot of energy. In other words, he was behind the beat. That's where all the, all the money was. So play behind the beat. That's where all the money's at. I'm not sure the guitar players would agree with that, but oh my God, good musicians die for it. So, did I answer your question? Wise words indeed. I don't know. You asked me to disagree with the entire industry. I kind of did and I kind of didn't. Well, it's it's not a, it's more to spur thought. And I think we did that. Um, thanks so much, man. This has been a treat. All right, so I'll admit I'm the guy pushing the button trying to blow up the place on the <laughs> way down the road. 